Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Greetings, comrades, and welcome to the Eastern Border. Especially greetings to all the new listeners over here. You probably came because Dmitry sent you. In general, Dmitry, I've mentioned him in my past few episodes, is a guy who translates a lot of stuff from Russian to English and posts it on his Twitter. And I'm deeply thankful for it because he happens to translate the stuff that I've been using to give you all the news and updates from the beginning of this war. And since I broke my arm, doing translation work for myself is a lot harder. So I reached out and, well, we have a nice understanding here (laughs) that I am to spread his translations and that's exactly what I'm gonna do because... Oh boy, at least I'm not the only one who follows Igor Girkin closely. So, yeah, we're we're kind of collaborating in a sense. But but to give some some extra value, we're we're going to be looking at some interesting interesting things and interesting messages here today. For one, I would like to start this episode by by the fact that my own sources my own sources have been reporting quite a lot that um a lot of Russian diplomats who are in various positions, they have been, well, they have been not as satisfied with their work environment as they could have been, you know, because of the war and everything. And recently, recently, just a a few days ago, we got a nice little letter from a a counselor of the Russian mission to the United Nations office office in Geneva. And uh, this letter really kind of reveals quite a lot about the background kitchen, so to speak, about what that's going on in, in Russian Russian top echelons of power and their diplomacy. So I'll so let me read you. Let me read you this in full, because this just again confirms what I've been talking about for a while now. And uh, yeah, nice props to some people who've been telling me that things like that are um, are happening around these parts. Quote My name is Boris Bondarev. In the MFA of Russia since 2002, since 2019 until now, counselor of the Russian mission to the United Nations office at Geneva. For 20 years of my diplomatic career, I have seen different turns of our foreign policy, but I have never been so ashamed of my country as on February 24th of this year. The aggressive war unleashed by Putin against Ukraine, and in fact against the entire Western world, is not only a crime against the Ukrainian people, but also, perhaps, the most serious crime against the people of Russia with a bold letter Z crossing out all hopes and prospects for a prosperous free society in our country. Those who conceived this war want only one thing, to remain in power forever, live in pompous tasteless palaces, sail on yachts comparable in tonnage and cost to the entire Russian navy, enjoying unlimited power and complete impunity. To achieve that, they are willing to sacrifice as many lives as it takes. 
Thousands of Russians and Ukrainians have already died for this. I regret to admit that over all these 20 years, the level of lies and unprofessionalism in the work of the foreign ministry has been increasing all the time. However, in most recent years, this has become simply catastrophic. Instead of unbiased information, impartial analysis and sober forecasting, there are propaganda cliches in the spirit of Soviet newspapers of the 1930s. A system has been built that deceived itself. Minister Lavrov is a good illustration of the degradation of this system. In 18 years, he went from a professional and educated intellectual, whom many of my colleagues held in such high esteem, to a person who constantly broadcasts conflicting statements and threatens the world, that is, Russia too, with nuclear weapons. Today, the Ministry of Foreign Affairs is not about diplomacy. It is all about warmongering, lies and hatred. It serves interests of the few, very few people, uh, thus contributing to further isolation and degradation of my country. Russia no longer has allies and there is no one to blame but its reckless and ill-conceived policy. I studied to be a diplomat and have been a diplomat for 20 years. The ministry has become my home and family. But I simply cannot any longer share in this bloody, witless and absolutely needless ignominy. And now this, uh, this brings out another interesting question. For example, remember that this guy's a diplomat, so... This is interesting, and um, a lot of people on, on the opposition side are still claiming that, oh well, he's just he's just a guy who's feeling like his own ship is sinking, so he's now getting out. And it might be so. It might be so, but, you know, we we each have a different level of tolerance, of, of stupidity, of, of random nonsense going on. So, although a lot of people here would probably like to state that, you know, where's the catch and where's something that he did only for its own good... Even if he did it only to, you know, get a better job, get a better position, or whatever, even then, we need such people. And, well, he's quite right about Lavrov, for one, because, for example, well, Mr. Lavrov decided to comment on Starbucks leaving Russia, and Levy, Levy's that's also going to leave Russia, and, well, basically, all the McDonald's things. And this came after news that there are no plans to keep the corporate yellow letter M in the new brand of McDonald's restaurants in Russia. See, the thing is that um, this call this call shows a bit of a kind of a primitivization, as Dmitry Potapenko, one of the one of the economists that I follow, what he says about all this all this society. However, the important part here is that Mr. Lavrov decided that he, for mysterious unknown reasons, really needed to comment on this, and he stated that um, basically. Well, this just shows that Western partners have proven their inability to negotiate, to sit and hope that, for example, McDonald's will return to the country. This would mean for Russia to do nothing. He basically just splattered out another speech within the framework of the project of the gymnasium named after Yem Primakov, 100 questions to the leader. And this is all kind of crazy. And, and he just laments about McDonald's and everything. And this goes on the official webpage of, of the Russian, Russian uh, foreign ministry's website. I mean, if you think about it, shouldn't he be doing some, some more things about all the situation? I mean, he, he has to take some responsibility. And I, for one, believe that, yeah, we'll see more and more diplomats doing things like this because, oh boy, this is, uh, this is going, going kind of crazy for, for, all the, for all the diplomats out there. But to get through with everything, here are some, well, short news about the 91st day of war. First of all, the um, the leader of the occupational powers of Zaporozhye, you know, one of their other sort of-ish, you know, occupying administration, yeah, they, they're now openly stating that they have plans to enter 
to do a referendum and you know enter in and be annexed by Russia. No, nothing new, nothing to be, nothing kind of to be confused about. This is what they want to do, basically. Meanwhile, the head of the Kherson district military administration stated that the district has been left by over 50% of its inhabitants so far. Meanwhile, at this time, and we can like state this, this, this is not coming from the Ukrainian armed forces. Apparently, uh, when, uh, in these three months, in, well, since the start of the war, Russia has lost over 4,000 uh, 4, military vehicles. And this is not Ukrainian sources, this is the analytical project Oguh. These guys are independent investigators, so, you know, you can trust on this. In the meantime, the Ministry of Finances of the United States, I guess it's the finance department in, in there, which is that, you know, I'm just used to calling the ministries. Basically, they they have decided to, to not to renew the license, which allows Russia to service their uh, kind of service their outer outer debt, which is like their foreign debt. Without this license, they can't um, they can't really pay off their state state uh, obligations. You know those uh, things that you trade on the stock market. I should at one point probably think about investing myself, but that's a long time coming. And they'll probably be found, you know, on, in a technical default. At the same time, the, the the kind of the government of the Russian Federation, they coordinated the indexation of more pensions and the minimum kind of you know minimum survival amount of money, and the minimum amount of money that you need to have, which is not taxed, you know these sort of tax limitations, and they indexed it by ten percent. However, Vedomosti, the one of the one of the still remaining news sites in Russia, by no means independent, but still they exist. The official the official inflation data, which is going to happen in Russia this year, is about 17 to 23 percent. So everyone's kind of getting getting poorer. Ilya Yashin, one of the one of the kind of foremost Russian opposition politicians and and people who are very actively against this war and are you know running their YouTube channel and he's often tied to also Navalny. He's been um, he's been fined 30,000 rubles for discreditation of the Russian army. That's kind of their, their new thing for which they um, kind of put everyone into prisons. Meanwhile, Roskomnadzor has blocked 14 other Russian web pages. And these are kind of a bunch of Russian local ones, but Roskomnadzor basically decides to block everything and anything as, as soon as you open your mouth and become big enough about and you start telling truth about this war. I'm, I'm pretty sure I'm, I'm on the list somewhere there as well, because... You know, haven't heard from my Russian listeners in a while, except on Telegram, but, you know. And um, the the chief of the, of the whole education, the education minister, well, his deputy minister, basically, stated that Russia is now intending to change their whole system of education. This comes after we, we received some proof and some information that there are new history books already in Russia. And when, when they start talking about the, um, the, the medieval period, the older days of, of whole Russian history, yeah, they have now thrown out any, any kind of mention of Kievan Rus. They now speak only about the Rus. Because, well, obviously, Kievan Rus does not exist to them. Meanwhile, meanwhile our good old friend Igor Girkin also made some statements, thankfully translated by Dmitry. And he said the following on the 24th of May. Quote, mm. 
Today marks exactly three months since the start of the special military operation. I will speak in detail about this, about its intermediate results this evening, uh, in the interview, which I also watched, and there, there are some interesting points from that. But for now, news from the front line. After the failure to encircle the whole Donetsk group, the Russian forces command together with LDPR armed forces, which are of course united, made a forced decision to push the enemy out of Donbas. The main efforts have been shifted from Slovyansk Barevenko direction to Krasny Liman in Severodonetsk Lishansk, and also the Svetodar Bolz and Adyevka. Thanks to the fact that units of Russian Federation Armed Forces, LDPR, and Wagner Group, which are, well, neo Nazi mercs, we have an episode about Private Warfare Company Wagner, check that one out, they managed to earlier break through the front line at Popasnya and capture the town. The offensive is developing slowly, yet relatively successfully. By the looks of it, Ukrainian command, after all, began withdrawing troops from the bags, pockets, for, formed in Liman and Severodonetsk Lishansk. In particular, the enemy is abandoning their heavy fortified outpost in Zolotoya Orekhova area, southeast of Lishansk, that ended up in an operational encirclement, and gradually, with heavy battles, of course, is withdrawing from Severodonetsk, abandoning or already abandoned Svetodrask. Ukrainian forces are also withdrawing with rearguard battles from Liman area. As it appears, the main line of defense of the Ukrainian armed forces has been moved to Severs Bakhmut. Solidar and the resulting bulge will be soon evacuated. At the same time, the enemy, that is the Ukrainians, please listen to my previous episodes if you don't know who Girkin is, we have a lot of information on the guy. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters, May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. continues hanging on to all mentioned localities with forces of the units that are located on the first line, and just stop throwing new reserves at them to save them from future battles, avoid exposing them to concentrated Russian artillery and aviation strikes in the encirclement. Also, according to the reports from the field, enemy resistance notably weakened in the area north of Avdeyevka. Yesterday, units of Donetsk People's Republic reached the northern outskirts of Avdeyevka, reaching the railway line on the outskirts of the town that have not yet entered housing areas. The enemy stopped stubbornly, stubbornly fighting for every position, even though their artillery continues with massive and accurate shelling. So what we see here is that, basically, Russian units uh, have, have started a very strong push, but Ukrainians are doing a fighting retreat, and Igor Gurkin is worried that, well, they're just collecting their forces, because Ukraine has a lot of, lot of reserves. And although a lot of Western experts might say that the counterattack will not happen, maybe not in the, these lines, but Igor Girkin is very afraid that the Ukrainian army will gather their forces and strike in some other direction, thus forcing the Russian forces to kind of move away some of their forces out there. Basically, Ukrainians will be doing some disruptive maneuvering 
and disruptive actions. At the same time, some comments about about this whole this whole situation with the Russian army. More by Mr. Girkin. Quote. I'm wondering when recruiting to the Russian army, they're, they're doing medical commissions. While recruiting to Donetsk and Lugansk armies, they're taking anyone. Few know they were genuinely grabbing people in the streets, mobilizing right in, in university classes and whole groups, not paying attention who is sick or not. Everyone was given uniform and sent to the front lines, even with notes from doctors. In the end, on the front lines ended up people with, with oncology, with open tuberculosis, with AIDS, hepatitis C, even with typhus. They all ended in the same ranks with healthy people. And a part of healthy people will get sick regardless unless they get killed first. They have one more danger when fighting next to such comrades in arms. This is Igor Girkin. And, um, you know, when you talk about, when you talk about all the situation, about Donetsk, of course there is some pushback. Some quite interesting pushback that's happening, happening out there. And this is quite interesting, because a bunch of them wrote a letter to their own Leader Denis Pushilin, you gotta listen to my scam MMM episode, which is all about the Mavrodi and the MMM pyramid scheme, which was running in Russia. Because Denis Pushilin was one of the lead guys in there. Donetsk People's Republic is run by a professional con man right now, and some of the guys from um, the Third Rifle Battalion of the 105th Rifle Regiment of the Donetsk People's Republic wrote the following letter, which has also been nicely translated by Dmitry, although he couldn't hear, well, the end of their kind of, the, the end of their kind of recording, so that wasn't translated, but what is translated is good enough. Quote, To the President of Donetsk People's Republic, Denis Pushilin, Dear Denis Vladimirovich, the personnel of the 3rd Rifle Battalion, 105th Rifle Regiment, Military Unit 08-818, is appealing you with the following. Servicemen of the 3rd Rifle Battalion, 105th Rifle Regiment, Military Unit 08-818 were mobilized between the 23rd of February up until now. Despite your public statements that mobilized reservists will not be directly taking part in any combat action, but will participate in establishing and preserving order in liberated territories of DPR and also occupy the 3rd line of defense in liberated territories of the DPR. The personnel of the 3rd Battalion of the 105th Rifle Regiment, without training and experience in conducting combat actions, before mobilization they studied in universities, worked in various enterprises and various industries, not connected to military service, and also did not pass the mandatory medical examination, just what we mentioned just previously. Many of the mobilized have acute chronic diseases. From 1303-2022, we were located at the frontline positions in Mariupol. I'm drawing your attention that between 13th of, 13th of March until now, we, while taking combat and other losses as of 23rd of May, only 60% of the personnel are remaining. The personnel of well, 3rd Rifle Battalion, 105th Rifle Regiment, completed set objectives including defensive positions in Mariupol City, offensive actions. At the moment, the personnel is located in the territory of another state, specifically Lugansk People's Republic, of which the, the mobilized are not citizens of. Servicemen of the blah 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 are morally and physically exhausted, which complicates conducting combat objectives. All men fall under the mobilization law for all men and other citizens of DPR who are liable for military service. However, the biggest part of males is located in the territory of DPR. And this is where it cuts off, but here we can um, hear a comment, you know, about the whole situation, just like Girkin stated. And one thing now is that Girkin himself stated that, yeah, these, these are fair, fair questions. Fair questions, and he states that someone needs to be needs to be court-martialed for this, because well, they are not quality soldiers. And in total, well, you have to state that Igor Girkin is uh, 
very much in favor of court-martialing. For one, for one, this is another comment from today's interview which I'd like to draw your attention to. Quote, question, what would you say about the following news? Ukrainian Armed Forces fighters were accused of deserting and sent to jail after complaining about low fighting morale. And Igor Girkin, of course, give his, gives his enlightened response. Quote, actually, this is fine. It's war, you understand? They're fighting. I cannot rule out that the fighters of the 115th Brigade will end up in a penal battalion. War, what's there to say? They're doing the right thing. From the military perspective, they're doing it the right way. If they want to preserve the front line, if they want to win the war, they will brutally suppress everyone who disobeys. And they must brutally suppress any mutiny, any action. What are you expecting from them? Are you expecting them to babysit them? No, they won't. As if you allow it once, let, let it slide. That's it. Tomorrow half of the army will riot. Who'll go fight with all the artillery strikes, m strikes, missile strikes, flamethrower systems? If you can just ride and nothing will happen to you. It's only in our Russian forces that this is allowed. When they break contracts and mass, and since there is no war and there is no legal reasoning before the special operation either, then you practically can't do anything to deserters. You can arrest them, but that what then? What article to trial them for? A person signed a contract. He's had enough serving, he breaks the contract. Instead of him, his comrades come to fight. But that's his right, the right of the free citizen, right? There's no mobilization, no martial law. But it's not the same for them. They have all they have all the right. They have a right. So yeah, might be brutal, but hey, at least he's kind of kind of honest. And uh, before we before we go go down all this, and before we finish this episode, well, I had some uh, as usual. I just asked ask some questions uh, I just asked you guys to ask me some questions about the situation and uh, well here is some that I can actually answer quite quickly Nick uh, asked me given Henry Kissinger's Warhawk past why is the why is the press paying him any attention doesn't conceding any land to Russia set a precedent for other dictators to follow bomb a country to rubble and you can take what's left yeah thanks Nick from Canada that's a really good thing I mean Henry Kissinger I've read his book all the huge dome of diplomacy was part of my curriculum. But he's 98 now. And if you think about it, I really don't think he is is able to grasp all the things. You know, he's he should be retired. I mean, at, at 98. Okay, if, if he was, like, a bit younger, maybe. But at 98, I, uh, with all due respect, I highly doubt that he's at the same mindset and edge that he used to be before. I think he probably doesn't really, you know recognize the situation today and he's not really able to kind of evaluate everything as clearly as possible but you know again he's done a lot of great work in the past and I've, like i said i've read his book and learned from it but i just think that you know maybe maybe we should listen to so-called western experts who have been proven wrong time and time again during this war and because they, they get to write nice nice articles doesn't make them any more true and i mean in this context hey you know, he's faced a lot of criticism, he's 98 years old, and I, I really don't don't think he grasps the situation fully. And this same thing kind of nicely segues into a question asked to us by Vladislav Yurkevich. And he asks, quote, Isn't it true that Putin doesn't use the internet and therefore is almost completely dependent on advisors for all his information? Doesn't he groom advisors to be 100% loyal to him and in questioning of his decisions? Then how we can understand what's happening in Ukraine? Ha! Huh. That's a great thing. Thing is, he doesn't understand what's happening in Ukraine because he's constantly feeding, being fed all the information. And it is true that Putin doesn't have a smartphone and doesn't use the internet. He doesn't trust 
kind of this newfangled technology. He doesn't understand it, and he reads news from the internet and um, kind of read red binders given to him by his secret services. I've spoken about this before. He's a man that truly lives in the past and um, kind of is still in the Soviet Union, in, in a way. That's kind of interesting because, well, he's very much out of touch of reality. But that's all that we have, that we have today. And um, yeah, I hope I also answered Mike's question because Mike talked about the strategic tide and everything. And I would have to say that, yeah, it does. Ukraine currently seems to be strategically pulling back and allowing the Russian forces to achieve some tactical victories. But I don't think that Russia still has a lot of initiative here. I'll be, I'll be by the way, poking you about, um, about more questions to me. And again, please, we're trying to reach 20,000 followers on Twitter. And if you want to ask, ask us any questions, we, before recording these episodes, often publish the threads where you can ask them, and then I pick a few questions that I can answer, and, well, try to answer them to the best of my ability, unless they're already covered on the show. So yeah, please, at eastern underscore border, please follow us. I, I would be super happy if you'd consider, you know, donating for our urgent expenses, like my broken arm, you know, just by going to the easternborder.lv and clicking the donate button. Or, you know, just become our patron on patreon.com slash the eastern border. Or just click the little monetary icon monetary icon next uh, to our Twitter profile. Another reason for you to go to our Twitter. Of course, uh, donate to Ukrainian charities. Comebackalive.ua is my favorite one. And uh, thank you for listening. And remember, happiness is mandatory. Traffic jams tailgating, pile-ups. Ugh, the joys of driving. How could it get worse? The federal government wants to have a say in what you drive. That's right. The Biden administration's EPA is pushing mandates that would ban two out of every three vehicles on the road today. Don't let Washington become your backseat driver. Protect the freedom of driving your way. Visit energycitizens.org. Paid for by the American Petroleum Institute.